All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Anoush Samarodi, and you're listening to New Tech City, the show that looks at how technology is changing the way we live. And today you are in for a treat, a visit to a place where your future is being rethought. But first, let's groove a little more to this training video for Bell Labs from 1973. Occupying the entire first floor of Building 3 at the Homedell Laboratories, the computer center requires some 20,000 square feet of space to house its equipment and peripheral services. Bell Labs was where a new age of communication technology dawned. Computer coding languages were developed there that are still used today. Heard about that heartbleed bug recently? Well, that coding language, C, came from Bell Labs. The main computer which is used for batch work is the IBM 370 Model 165 with 3 million bytes of core, 2 million of which are available for programmer use. Intellectuals and scientists gathered on various campuses across the state of New Jersey to utterly upend how we connect. Bell Laboratories was really kind of the great laboratory of the 20th century. John Gertner is editor-at-large for Fast Company, and he wrote the book on Bell Labs called The Idea Factory. It was where a lot of the modern technology, the, the kind of foundation for modern technology came from. So transistors, lasers, communication satellites. Um, the unit- I mean, amazing things, things that we so take for granted now. Sure. I mean, stuff that we've already used dozens of times today. I mean, the DNA of Bell Labs is in every single electronic device everywhere in the world, always, and it always will be. But Bell Labs' golden era faded away after the big company backing it was broken up in the 80s. Ma Bell, officially called American Telephone and Telegraph, or as you know it, AT&T. Bell Labs was the kind of icon of, of what a lab could be. But that corporate spirit of innovation, of bankrolling brains with big ideas, is living on at a place called Google X. X is pretty much as secretive as the name implies. And there's even a cafeteria with big signs on the door saying, you can't eat here unless you're part of Google X. You're probably familiar with concepts that have been developed at Google X. Think Google Glass, self-driving cars. But Fast Company's John Gertner is the first journalist to actually be allowed inside to see how they take a wacky idea and maybe, just maybe, turn it into reality. For me, it was an opportunity to kind of get a a sense of how they work and what this place looks like. And I hope I'm not disappointing anyone by saying that, you know, Google X looks kind of like a regular building on the inside, except the people are what are different. People like Astro Teller. I'm Astro Teller, 
I'm the captain of Moonshots for Google X. Moonshots are what Captain Teller and his Google X team called their kookiest, most far-fetched ideas. His motley crew includes, yes, engineers, but also sculptors, machinists, philosophers, even an Academy Award winner. I think, I think if we could just like hear this thing operating, if we that would be sort of that sing. would be a big yeah. win. That gets complicated, yeah. So like that. And their sole yeah. purpose is to try things that are extremely likely to fail and then talk about it. Not in a, hey man, I live in Silicon Valley and I'm 25 and I've already founded three companies and they all failed kind of way. But in an intellectually curious, scientific kind of way. Astro says it's not an easy mind frame to get. Most people come hardwired, trained by society that if they don't do the thing they said they were going to do, if it doesn't come out bright and shiny and sparkly, that someone's going to be mad at them. Everyone's almost like that the day they start with us. The question is whether they have the desire within them to unlearn that, to get to a place after 50 or 100 hugs where they'll believe us when we say, hey, it broke, it didn't work, awesome. Did we get a tool out of that? Do we know something we shouldn't do again? Let's try something different. Thousands of software developers work at Google, the main headquarters, to help the company make billions of dollars from internet search ads and other computer services. And those profits pay the salary of 250 Google Xers who hug it out and come up with projects that have absolutely nothing to do with Google's core business. But those ideas could become the core of Google's next big business. According to John Gertner, a Google X project has three key ingredients. The first is, is it has to solve a big problem for society, something that can affect millions or even billions of people. The second is that it has to have a kind of sci-fi element, so something that's surprising. And I think if you think of Google Glass or self-driving cars, you kind of get that. And the third is that it has to incorporate technology that's either available now or very soon will be. So it can't be something like, you know, we want to imagine, you know, um, invisibility cloaks. You know, it has to be something within the realm of the possible. One recent idea in the realm of possibility? Hoverboards. Yes, to you or me, it's just a fun fantasy that helped Marty escape in Back to the Future 2. Stop! Little girl! Little girl! Stop! Look! I need to borrow your... Hoverboards. Actually, hoverboards can be real. They had considered, you know, maybe hoverboards could be actually useful. Maybe they could be useful in these huge um, warehouses where you have to move big pallets or when you're in a machine shop. And I mean, a hoverboard, you're talking about something that's levitating and moving. So actually, Google X built a tiny little hoverboard to test this out. Wow. Yeah, they they built, they showed it, and, you know, they showed it to me. I played with it. it was, <laughs> what it was, was that like? Tell it me. It was fun, but it was very small. It was about the size of a of a hardcover book, and it was covered with, with these small round magnets, and it used a very slight sliver of a special kind of graphite, and it kind of hovered over these magnets and moved in any direction with the most ethereal push. Could and, you, like, bring someone a drink? Like, could you put a drink on top of it and send it across the table to your friend? Would you that know, work? Good thing you asked, because the, the problem with this, as the Google X rapid eval team discovered, is that it gets very hard to scale it up. So, you know, they're in, in building these things up, 
they're trying to figure out, okay, what's going to make it fail? Is it just that it's a bad idea? Is it that there's no special materials we can make it out of? Or in this case, can you make it bigger and bigger and bigger to where it actually has some kind of practical use? And what they found was that you really couldn't. And so they put the hoverboard on the shelf and we won't be seeing it in stores anytime soon. So the hoverboard got shelved. But in a minute, an idea that did work and what the X team did with it. An idea that started in a beer cooler. It looks like something you should be setting into space rather than like something that a couple of guys put together when their ice chest ran out of beer. New Tech City is supported by LegalZoom. If you've been thinking about starting your own business, LegalZoom can help you do it. Learn more about DBAs, LLCs, incorporation, trademarks, and other ways to protect your business and assets at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom provides self-help services and can connect you with an attorney, but they're not a law firm. Enter technology in the referral box at checkout for a special discount for New Tech City listeners. Hover, helping you get the best domain names to represent you or your business. If you want to get your ideas on the internet, Hover will help you find the right domain name and include all the tools and support you need to manage it. For 10% off your first purchase, go to Hover.com and type in the promo code TECHWORLD. It's New Tech City. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and we're back at Google X with Fast Company Editor-at-Large, John Gertner. So the hoverboard idea, sadly, got put on the shelf. Hey, McFly, what do you think you're doing? That moonshot idea didn't get past the first line of fire. Google X's Rapid Evaluation Team, or Rapid Eval. And the way John describes what that team does is a little scary. They are the kind of um, hit squad, the mod squad, that's going to evaluate new crazy ideas and pick them apart and deconstruct them and try and make them fail and try everything they can do, even build wild prototypes to see if it will work or if it's worth kind of taking that next step and actually investing some money and hiring some people to make it happen. A recent moonshot that has gotten money and people is Project Loon. The concept is basically huge balloons that float above rural areas or developing countries, beaming Wi-Fi onto those below. Samira Panda and Chris Schuster are Xers working on Loon prototypes. And it's hard to believe this is one of the most high-tech labs in the world when you hear how they first tested out the idea of a Wi-Fi balloon. Our initial flight system was an ice chest that we had bought from the supermarket, and it was like a styrofoam ice chest. And we had electronics kind of in there. It was just a very basic stack and a battery pack, and we sent that up. And then you go and launch it is the way that we were able to, like, Mm -hmm. continue to improve until we got to a point where it's like, it looks like something you should be setting into space rather than, like, something that a couple of guys put together on on a Saturday with, uh, you know, when their ice chest ran out of beer. The team has moved on from styrofoam ice chests. A test balloon just finished circling the globe in 22 days and made it back to base intact. Plus, Project Loon may face competition from Facebook, which also has plans to spread Wi-Fi to those less fortunate with drones. And meanwhile, Google will have to decide what happens to these Google X ideas that make it out of the lab and actually are going to be introduced into society. In that old model of how businesses used to work. Remember Bell Labs? The R&D lab would kind of hatch the idea and then develop the idea. And then it would kind of get moved over to the business unit. 
Um, Google X isn't quite sure yet what they're going to do. For research and development nerds, Google's next move is when things could get interesting. Google Glass or Loon could stay part of X or be sold off or become their own divisions. Who knows? Because Google X is an experiment in and of itself, a risky investment, one that other big tech companies these days just aren't making. Once upon a time, there was this era of corporate labs where these big corporations had these grand industrial labs where they were going to really invent the future. And this has kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, Business has kind of sped everything up, so everybody's kind of more worried about Uh, quarterly earnings or, you know, coming out with a new product very quickly and keeping consumers' attention. So there aren't really a lot of companies that are thinking about these kind of huge ideas. Now, let's be honest. X's huge ideas aren't necessarily altruistic. More people online, thanks to Wi-Fi emanating from a balloon, just means more people using Google's search engines, right? And a couple weeks back, we did a show about how Google Glass hasn't exactly been welcomed with open arms by techies or non-techies. Here's The Atlantic's Alexis Madrigal. Glass has come to have a really specific cultural meaning, which basically is summed up by the term glass hole. Glass holes. Let's just say it. The bloom is slightly off the Google rose. When you talk about Google to some people, there's a sense of big brother Google has become such a, a deep part of our lives. And I, I don't think it's it, – it's probably just not a Google question. It's also an Amazon question maybe and it's a Apple question to some extent. Maybe it's a Facebook question too. So these are companies that have infiltrated the way not only we communicate with everyone else but the way we sort of live our lives. I think at the moment, you know, the, they are at a kind of golden era themselves, where, again, they have the money, they have the ambitions. And at least so far, I think that backlash that maybe we talk about is sort of confined to irritation. It feels like right now we're still willing to believe with them that they are on the right side, that they want to do good, that they have purely our best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. It's a wish, right, that we that we, we, we give our privacy, we we sign those terms of service in the hope that, yes, they are the good guys. I think sometimes we might make the mistake of, of, of giving these human qualities to corporations, not just Google or, or the like, but qualities, we, we anthropomorphize them in ways that, that corporations themselves can't really um, exist to kind of have those qualities. And um, are they good or bad? Well, what they're doing is they're creating new technology and they're trying to make profits and they're giving people jobs. And um, sometimes they may be infringing on our privacy or doing other things that people don't like or that people do like. But um, it, it's difficult to say, will they, will they go on to the dark side or will they stay on the, on the good side? And, um, well, they set up the question by saying, don't do evil, right? It's yeah. almost like they set up the premise yeah. and we're now holding them to that standard. Right. I think, I think what they, you know, what is it? Uh, uh, you know, one, one man's ceiling is another man's floor and, and one man's evil <laughs> is probably an, an, another man's virtue. I'm not really sure I believe it's a test of, of ethics or morality, I think what it is um, is that we can find that technology is just complicated and that we respond in very human ways to things that we've never actually seen before and we're still getting used to. We respond in very human ways. Yes, we do. 
You can read John Gertner's story about his visit to Google X in Fast Company. And there's also a video of the Google X team trying to build something called a thermoacoustic engine out of parts that they bought at their local hardware store. Yeah, I'm not going to be doing that. But I have to say, all this talk about creating the right conditions for innovation, it makes me wonder, what is the most important part of all of this? Is it someone's intelligence? Is it having enough time? Is it an espresso bar that's available 24-7? Or does it just come down to having a benefactor like Sergey Brin? X is the Google co-founder's baby, and he has made it clear that he expects results, and soon. We've really found at Google the importance of the development cycle and how you really need to be able to churn quickly through things because you're going to have failures. You're going to have the wrong idea, but it's important to fail quickly. Unlike at Bell Labs, ideas will not just stay at Google X for decades and success is going to be judged by us, the consumers. I look forward to making that judgment with you in the coming months and although I'm, I'm not endorsing Google, I do hope that we can live in an era that has as much influence on technology as Bell Labs did in the 20th century. Thanks so much for listening. A big thank you to John Gertner, Valerie Lipinski, Noah Robichon, and the Fast Company team. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this is New Tech City from WNYC. Here at last was a device so tiny that several would fit inside a thimble. They can do the same job as electron tubes and require only a fraction of the power tubes used to operate. I've always wanted to have an all-Tupperware society. Like, we all eat out of the same set of Tupperware that's interchangeable. It's kind of like City Bike, but for Tupperware.